to let you know this is the last, um, the last sermon in this series, and even more than usual, I would say um, this sort of sums up the series. Um, often I, I kind of preach a sermon in the last, the last sermon in a series that kind of just ties the thing together, but this is actually the last, um, the last chapter and the last kind of segment of James, the book of James. So if you're a new Christian, if you're listening online, or, and you're just kind of, the Bible's intriguing to you, you're not sure what you believe about it, you're not sure exactly how it hits you, this is a great place to start. The book of James is a great place to, to look at. Um, this is a book of the Bible we are going to study a little bit, bit deeper um, outside of Sunday mornings. I'm working on that for those of you that are wanting a deeper study. Um, very, very important to what we believe and to our faith. So um, this is going to kind of sum it up today, and it's some hard teaching. It's some exciting teaching and some hard teaching, and I, I just want to kind of prepare your hearts for that today. So if you get a chance, um, or if you, if you can right now, start to kind of clear what's in your heart, what's in your mind. Um, we got uh, all kinds of stuff going on in our lives right now, from physical pain. Um, Matt's sitting here fresh from surgery, trying to get recuperated to play golf. Um, and uh, he's not, you know, he's not 100%, um, but he's good even at 70%. So um, Rick, Rick Finney is back here today. He's just recovering from knee surgery, and he's running already. He's all over the place. Um, Many of you have these, have these physical things. Some of you have some spiritual things going on in your life. Some of you have become Christians just recently or have dealt with a spiritual issue and you have taken a step and then after a couple months it starts to kind of get harder for you for a moment. And so I'm going to ask you to hang with me um, with this. And some of you have been around here for a long time. And if you're not careful, you start to get to a point where um, this stuff gets real stale and you feel like you've heard it before. And I uh, just want to caution you against that today because what you're going to hear um, today, I believe, is fresh. And it's something God wants you um, to hear directly into your heart today. So if you can, just give me a, give me a few minutes of your time, just, a, just one minute right now, just between you and God. If you're a Christian, um, this is a good opportunity for you to just, just say, God, you're in charge and I'm not. Um, and anything in my life that doesn't feel like that, I'm going to get rid of right now. If you're not a Christian, you're kind of kicking the tires on this thing. It's a good time for you to just take a deep breath, try not to fall asleep. Um, just a moment of quiet um, and, uh, and kind of just get your, get your heart ready and your head ready this morning. So let's take about a minute and I'll finish this in prayer and we'll jump right in today. God, in the quiet of this room now, we get our life centered on you again. Any pain, any craziness, any frustration, any anxiety, even the joy, God, we, we kind of suspend it for a moment. We don't ignore it or walk away from it, just, but just suspend it and hope that today you can, uh, you will in this place because we believe you can remind us of who you are and whatever that means today. God, we pray that as we close out this sermon series that you would, I just pray that you would make this clear, what James was saying, what you're saying through him today, and pray that you'd be honored by the way we listen, and more than that, by the way we act on what we hear. In your son's name, amen. 
Well, if you haven't heard um, this sermon series or any of the sermons in it, especially the, the last couple, um, you're going to be a little bit lost today. I don't want you to be lost. I'm, I'll try to kind of keep you up as we go. Um, and I, I want to let you know just a little bit about this sermon series. It is online um, at our website. You'll find our website, um, paragonnewlifecc.com, um, in your bulletin. You'll see that there. Um, you can go out there and, and hear all of these sermons if you haven't heard them. Um, this sermon is the, the last in this series, and the idea of this entire book of the Bible, I wanted to go through it a, a little bit chunk by chunk, because I believe it speaks to you and your life and me and my life right here, right now, whatever you brought in and however this works today. If you're a high school student in the room today, this is for you. If you're a junior high student, if you're a, if you're a college student, if you're an adult, if you're married, if you're single, um, if you're a senior citizen, if you're dealing with physical pain, emotional pain, have I covered everybody? I think maybe at some point. I've tried to cover everybody because this really does speak to a lot of different people today. And part of the reason I, I, I wanted to kind of walk through this, this book chapter by chapter and kind of verse by verse is because it sort of categorically speaks and even chronologically speaks to some of the things we deal with in our life. And no matter what you're going, on, going through right now, no matter what you believe, you have had some hardship. And that's just, Jesus said it would happen. In fact, if you became a Christian during this time that the book of James was written, you were sure that you were going to come through some hard times just because of what you believe. You know, I, I say a lot, um, if you're listening online, um, or even if you're here, I, I say the phrase a lot, if you're kicking the tires on this thing, have you heard me say that? Or if you're trying to decide what you believe, um, you need to know that that's a phrase that didn't exist when this book ri- was written. That's a phrase that didn't happen because you either believed and you were all in or you didn't. And here's why. Because it was illegal to be a Christian when this book of the Bible was written. It was not legal for you to follow Jesus. And, and the reason was because the Roman Empire wanted you to consider Caesar or consider the, the, uh, the leaders of Rome to be God. And I don't mean God just with a little G. Like they, they wanted you to think they were divine. And if you were worshiping somebody else, you weren't worshiping them. And it was illegal for you to be a Christian. And not just illegal like a slap on the hand, like I need to write you a ticket for singing that worship song. That's not the kind of illegal I'm talking about. I mean it was legal for them to kill you if they found out you were worshiping God, the one true God. So if you were going to choose to follow Jesus. You, you were all in. There was though none of this, I might and I might not. There was none of this, I'm going to on Sunday, but on Tuesday I don't really care about it, and I'll, I'll talk to a God again on Monday. There wasn't that at this point. It, it was you're in or you're not because it was dangerous to be a Christian. I believe a time is coming where God wants it to have that sort of intensity in you. Now, I don't believe a time is coming anytime soon where it's going to be illegal to be a Christian. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think that's going to happen soon. I think we're actually leaning the other direction and we're letting more religion in. But at the same time, there is persecution. There are some hard things. It's not going to be illegal for you to be a Christian. But I do believe God would love for you to have that intensity about what you believe. That sense that, hey, I'm, I'm not just riding the fence. In fact, at one point in the book of Revelation, John says that when if you ride the fence... You know what I mean by riding the fence. There's a song about that. Um, You know what I mean by that. Like, you just don't know. You're just not sure. If you ride it long enough, Jesus says he looks down, and it's like warm milk. Like, not warm and not hot, but like lukewarm milk in his mouth. 
Um, and you know that if you've ever, if you had babies in your house and, and there's ever been milk sitting around and you grab the wrong cup and take a drink and it's been sitting there for a long time, that's the picture that Jesus says, that lukewarmness. He says either get on or get off, but that lukewarmness, and the reason is not just because he wants commitment from you, it's because it's bad for you. It is not good for you to live in that state. And James knows, because James, I believe, was there. The funny thing about James, James was the brother of Jesus, if you remember this, he was, he was Jesus' brother, and man, it is really hard to convince your brother that you're God. I mean, I, can you imagine what would it take for, you, for your siblings to convince you they're God? James, there is no record of James really following Jesus while Jesus was on earth, which is really interesting, right? Jesus didn't fo- James didn't really follow Jesus, he wasn't in, and you could see why, as the brother of Jesus, that he wouldn't believe this until Jesus died on a cross was laid in a grave, hundreds of people saw him after he died, raised from the grave, and James became a full-on, 100% follower of his brother. It's a really cool story. It's part of the reason I love this book so much, because James is so intensely following Jesus, and he wants us to, too. And so he talks a lot about, and if you haven't heard this series, he goes through a lot about not just talking about following Jesus, not just talking about religion. If you're here and you're, you are kicking the tires and you are kind of just trying to decide what you believe, one of the reasons you probably haven't engaged fully is because you have run into somebody at church who talks but doesn't live it, who would love to point a finger but can't lift a finger. You know what I mean? And that has caused so much problem in the church and it caused problems for James there and he says over and over and over every time he says do not talk about God do not pretend to be spiritual do not get your Christianese on you know what I mean by Christianese these list of words that we could create that we don't use outside of church we just want somebody to to hear us say them so they know that we believe something James says do not do that at all if you're not living it He said, you want to know what God wants from you when it comes to religion? Take care of orphans and widows in their distress. Do something with your religion or it doesn't mean anything to God. And he says it over and over and over throughout this. And the way he ends this book is no exception. He says this in chapter 5, verse 31. Is anyone among you in trouble? How about in here? Now, when he says in trouble, here's what his readers would have meant. He's talking to Christians who have been scattered all over the place. He's talking to people who are Jesus followers and Jewish people who have converted to being Jesus followers who have been scattered all over the place. Instead of being in groups, a, a, a group of people this size at that point in history that were following Jesus, they'd ride a horse in here and we'd all be taken. Killed many of us on the spot. Yours truly, standing on the stage, would be in big trouble if we were in a group like this. They couldn't meet like this. They had to intersperse, and James had to write them letters, and different writers had to get them instruction. So he says, is anyone among you in trouble? Some of you in here are in trouble today. Some of you have bills to pay, and literally creditors who are looking for you as we speak, leaving messages on your machines that you're not returning. You're in trouble. Some of you have electricity being turned off or a notice that says something, and you feel in trouble. Some of you are at work, and you're you're taking something, or you're not working the way you should, and you know that it's just a matter of time before the boss sits down with you, and you're in trouble. Some of you are in high school, in junior high, and you know you're in trouble. Your parents don't even know yet why you're in trouble, but you know it's coming. Trouble is different for everybody. Trouble for this group of people meant death. 
He says, is anyone in trouble? Let him pray. Sounds pretty easy, but follow him. Is anyone happy? Is there a moment in your life where you just, this happened to me yesterday. I had a crazy day. I had a memorial service to go to. I had um, lots of things to do, and I was out in the shed. Um, I have this little tool shed, a little kind of just about to fall apart. Um, and I was building this bench, which I just love to do. I'm a terrible co- contractor, absolutely terrible with construction, um, but I absolutely love it. And I'm sitting back there by myself in the, in the woods, and I see my son and my daughter out in the yard. Nothing big. They're just playing. And Risha walks out, and she's like tending to the, the, the weeds and the stuff near the house. And I just look down through the yard, saw the cabin, saw the kids, saw the wife. Nothing really triggered it uh, just this moment of absolute joy like oh man you've had it i know you've had maybe it's been a while he said this even happened to those who were scattered out and being persecuted he says let them sing songs of praise is anyone sick is anybody sick today i'd like i'd like to not draw any attention, but if you just stop for a moment, you w- there's not 30 seconds that goes by without somebody coughing. All y'all are sick. And I don't mean just like with colds and stuff. I mean, we got some sickness, some physical ailment going on in this place. We have some addiction. This word has that tendency, that, that addiction situation. If you're dealing with pornography today, you're sick in your soul. If you're dealing with some sort of an addiction that is hurting your family or hurting your body in a way, you're sick. He says if you're sick, check out what he says here, and I'm not going to get too deep into this today, but I'm going to tell you what he means. Let them call the elders if you're sick. So he says if you're, if you're hurt, if you're, if you're in trouble, pray to God. If you're happy, sing to God. If, if you're sick, call the elders. Now, now, I just want to stop here for a second, just for my own benefit. I'm going to be real selfish for a minute as your preacher, okay? It doesn't say call the preacher, okay? <laughs> you know how many f- emails I get because I, I'm sick, I'm in the hospital, I'm in the, and the preacher didn't come and see me. We got 200 people a week coming to this church, and we think somewhere between 450 and 500 people that call this church their home. Your preacher can't get to all y'all when you're sick. And this says, if you're sick, call your elders. Now, I don't just mean Dean and Andy, because those are officially our elders. So I'm not just pushing this off on Dean and Andy. This includes your preacher. This includes those who are leaders. But look what he says. He says, call the elders of your church to pray over them and do this. Now, don't check out on me here, because this sounds really religious. I'm going to explain it. He says, and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, there is a lot of conversation about what it means to be anointed with oil. You may know uh, some charismatic parts of what we do um, here at church that, that spend a lot of time talking about anointing with oil. I'm not going to get into that today, but I'm going to tell you where the origin of anointing with oil is. It came from shepherds. This is way, way long time. Old Testament. Shepherds would take their sheep, and I don't know if you, if you know this about about sheep, but they have these big ears, and they're open. They're just wide open, many of them. And even if they flop over a little bit, they have these big openings, and mites and chiggers and nasty bugs can get in their ears and literally either make them incredibly uncomfortable or even kill them in the wrong, uh, in the wrong circumstances. So what would happen is shepherds out in the field, not having any way of protecting their sheep, they would take oil, and they would take this oil, and they would put all over the sheep's head. 
They put it over its ears, over its nose, and the sheep also, because it didn't have any opposable thumbs, be a tough way to live life, it couldn't, when it wanted to get something, you know, just like anything that doesn't have hands and thumbs, it uses its face and it uses its nose, and that nose and the face just get cuts on it all the time. And so a shepherd that really loved his sheep and wanted to protect his sheep, especially those sheep that had cuts and scrapes and had ear mites and problems, the shepherd would take oil and rub the oil into the sheep's head. And if you've ever seen a dog when you're rubbing its head, you can imagine the sheep are the same way. It's, oh, if I had thumbs, I would do that myself, you know? But the truth is, uh, they, they, they're almost like dogs in that way. They just love to have their head scratched. And there's this moment where a shepherd takes oil, which is not cheap, which is an expensive thing for a, man, uh, for a uh, shepherd who lives in the desert, takes oil and puts over the sheep's head and rubs it into its face and over its ears. Now, I, that's not what James had in mind here, but you need to know that's the origin of anointing with oil, that first thing. And the idea is this is what God does when you're hurting. This moment where we as humans take oil and we put it on the heads of those who are sick to remind there's nothing in the oil, there's nothing in the hands, there's nothing in these humans. It's God saying, I want to take care of your hurts. I want to salve your pain. I want to take care of you in this moment. Isn't that cool? This is the origin of anointing with oil. Now, there's also a lot of thought that oil at this point was a, a, a medical, um, just basically medicine. And people who were sick needed medicine, and they would do that. Whatever the, the significance is here, James says, call the elders, have them call on God when you're sick. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. That phrase, raise them up, doesn't necessarily mean that that person will be physically well. It's that emotionally, spiritually, that word has a three, parts, three parts to it. Physically, emotional, and spiritual. That God will raise them up. It will get better for them. Now, physically, sometimes it doesn't. I, I've been with our elders before. I've been, if, if the way we do it here at New Life often is we'll call you up front and if you've been here um, before we kind of all gather around um, and pray over people and there is a feeling that you're lifted up at that moment that's what James says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well the Lord will raise them up if they have sinned they will be forgiven therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed And he says this, the prayer of a righteous person. This is the same phrase that he means when he talks about elders. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James basically says this. Your first response, no matter what's going on in your life, right now, should be to look to God. And I know that may sound simple to you, but I thought I'd do it, say it this way. You know, when, I, when something happens in my life, um, especially at work, I don't know why it is at work, but if something good happens at work and somebody likes something I did or I get a good phone call from somebody, the first person I want to call is Risha, my wife. I just can't, in fact, like, she's got a job now. She's probably annoyed by me, but if it's at 1.15 and she's right in the middle of a meeting, I'm texting her right now. I blow up her phone. You won't believe what happened to me today. She is the first person that I want to go to. And if something bad is going on in my life, if I'm sick, this really annoys her because I'm a wimp when I'm sick. But if, I'm, if I don't feel good or if something bad happened, she is the first person I want to know. Like I, I don't care about who else knows. I want her to know. And in fact, I've been injured before and sick 
um, and actually got taken to the hospital while I was on business travel once. And it was like everybody at the place knew, it, all my employees knew, and they took me there um, to the hospital. And all I kept thinking was, Risha doesn't even know. Risha doesn't know. I don't know what she was going to do. She's hundreds of miles, thousands of miles away from me. She couldn't have done anything, but she needed to know in my mind. Here's the thing. God wants that from you. No matter what's going on in your life, this is what James says. He wants to be your first response. Such a deep relationship with him that you don't just, when things are bad, you try this and then you try that and then you do this and then you call this and then you do, and then at last resort you go, hey God, I've tried everything else, thought I would check upstairs. <laughs> that doesn't, that's not what God wants from you. He wants the moment you get that bill and you're out of your mailbox and it says, attention in red letters. Yeah, I've been there. I know it. And you get that gut-wrenching thing in your heart. You don't, your first reaction is not to make up a lie. It's not to blame somebody. It's to go, God, help me. God, help me with this. That means when the baby's born. That means when those moments like I had out in the field, that you have this moment where you just go, God, my first response is just to go, thank you for this thing that just happened. And this seems like a small thing, but if you can start to do this in your life, especially if you're a new Christian, if you're just kicking the tires on this thing, or if you've been doing this for a while and you haven't felt that peace that we talk about, this is a wonderful thing for you to start with. This week, every time, good or bad, whatever it is that happens, an event goes on in your life, make your first response, God, if it's, if it's a great thing, worship. And the way you worship is just go, thank you. Or you sing really loud and make yourself look stupid, which I've done many times, whatever it is. Or you can, if something's going wrong, go right to God with it. If, some, if you're sick, the first reaction is God. And then James says this. Right after that, he says, Elijah was a human being. Now, this was a, an epiphany for the people that were reading this, because Elijah was like a hero. He was like a superhero to the people that were reading this. Elijah, if you've ever heard the story of Elijah, Elijah was a prophet who was just, um, well, he was a superhero, for the, for especially for the Jewish people that would have been reading this. Um, he, was, he was a guy who did miraculous, heroic things um, in the name of God. In fact, I'm going to read you in a moment um, one of the stories of Elijah. Elijah was a human being, James says, even as you are. Now, this would have just been an epiphany to these people. He says, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. I'm going to tell you that story in a minute. Again, he prayed, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced crop. James says it wasn't Elijah. It wasn't the superhero. It was God. So whatever you got in your life right now, you go to him first because he gave you the same power that Elijah has through your hands, through your life, you can call down the power of God in your life. Here's the story of Elijah, and here's why that was so amazing. Next quick slide there. I'm going to read through this really fast. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 18. This is a good thing for you to write down and go through this week. There's some of you, Lisa, who need, 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 some, write, or need some reading this week. Here's your, here's your reading. This is your assignment if you want to dig deeper this week. 1 Kings 18, 18. You have abandoned the Lord's command. This is Elijah talking to a group of people who have decided that they, they want to worship a different God, basically. And the God is named Baal, B-A-A-L. Um, and Baal, there's, is, I could go on and on with how awful this worship was. Um, it included a lot of awful things that, that were really um, just 
repulsive to God and became repulsive to Elijah. And he says, you have abandoned the Lord's commandment and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet on Mount Carmel. Here's what he does. He goes to this mountain, and I've been on Mount Carmel, um, and it is crazy. It is like this huge mountain with lots of space around it. It's like an amphitheater. It's like going to the Verizon Center to like see Dave Matthews or whoever you want to see. Um, it's, it's like, call everyone together, call Ticketmaster, and get this thing on the website. We are going to have a battle. And this was a big deal. So he says, get all the people out on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal. So there were these men and women, uh, mostly men, who were prophets of Baal, who would do awful, awful things in the name of Baal, and would convince people around them that they were in charge, because Baal had made them in charge. And he, he, Elijah had just had it. And he has this superhero moment where he says, get them all together, I'm going to verse 400 people. It's going to be me, the prophet of Yahweh, the one true God, against 450 of the prophets of Baal. Now, these prophets were magicians as well, and they, they really amazed and scared people. And then he says this, So Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. I mean, it's a show, right? Call Ticketmaster. This is a big deal. We've got to get everybody together. Elijah went before the people and said, How long? He looked at all these people. I got to stand on, the, on Mount Carmel and think about what it would be like to preach like that. I mean, I'm preaching up here to you guys. It's kind of cool. But on a mountain like that to thousands of people, he says, How long? How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal is God, follow him. Didn't we talk about that? How long will you sit on the fence? How long will you dip your toe in the things that aren't God, but want God when things are bad? Now, next slide. The story goes, so, so they took the bull, given them, they had this big bull, and prepared it. And the idea is they're going to put it on an altar. Look at this. They called on the name of Baal. So all these prophets had this bull on an altar. And the idea is we're, going to, we're not going to set fire to this thing. We're going to let the gods, we're going to let Yahweh versus Baal. And whoever sets fire to the bull, you should read your Bible. This is cool. Whoever sets fire to this bull is the one true God. Can you imagine the faith it took for Elijah to call all these people together? And say, we need a bull, and we need an altar, but we don't need any fire. <laughs> because the gods are going to provide that. Can you imagine what it would have felt like as a prophet of Baal? To go, uh-oh, we better make this happen. So listen to this. So they took the, the bull, given them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. That's a long time. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the, alt the altar they had made. They started getting desperate. We've got to get his attention. Have you seen people do this with, with our God? They've got to get his attention. Somehow God's not paying attention, so I've got to make myself look like an idiot. They just could not take it anymore. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. This is the trash talking for God. Um, he, he begins to trash talk. Elijah's just sitting back watching him. And he says this, hey, shout louder, guys. <laughs> this is awesome. Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's in deep thought or busy or traveling. Now, the actual, um, the actual Hebrew there is like also, maybe he's in the bathroom. That's kind of the thought. He is trash talking at this point. Maybe he's sleeping and must be. Maybe you should wake up your God. So they shouted louder. And then they begin to do this thing that is just awful. 
in the eyes of God. They begin to slash themselves and cut themselves because they were so desperate to get Baal to work. So they shouted louder. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Today, if you're worshiping another god, and what I mean by that is if you have put all of your time, energy, effort into another thing, you need to know it will end this way. That God will not answer. That God is on vacation. He is traveling. That God does not listen. Next slide. One more slide there, time. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench. This is Elijah. So he took these stones, he built an altar, and he dug a trench. And the crowds are going, what's he doing? Around it, large enough to hold two says of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. And then he said, God could light that on fire, but um, guys, I want to show you how big God is. So here's what I want you to do. Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the wood. Like, what are you doing? you got to get this thing caught on fire. Why are you putting wood on it? Do it again, he said, and they did it again. I mean, now he's just showing off for God. He's just letting God show off. He said, did it a third time. So three times they took water and they put over this altar. And the water ran down around the altar and even filled this trench. There was no chance this bull was going to be caught on fire by magic, by any little spark, by lightning. Nothing was going to set this thing on fire. Can you, can you imagine this in your head? At the time of the offering in the evening, Elijah, the prophet, came near. And he didn't slash himself. He didn't dance. He didn't perform any magic. Here's what he said. Oh, Lord, the God of Abraham. Isaac and Israel, today, let it be known. Would you look at this for a second? If you fell asleep, wake up just for a second. Let it be known that I am such a good person. Let it be known that I am a superhero. Let it be known that I'm in charge and all these people need to follow me. No, 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 here's what he said. Let it be known that you are God and Israel. The one true God. That word God, that, that capital J, that's the word Yahweh. This is a fighting word. This is the one true God. Baal is ridiculous in the sight of you. And that I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. This is not happening from me, this is happening from you. And he says, answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you are O Lord, our God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Can I tell you I prayed this for you on the way to church this morning? That you wouldn't hear John Mitchell up here, that you wouldn't see something I did or hear something I did, but that you would hear from God himself and that your heart would be turned back to him. Because this prayer gets answered. Check this out. Then, like a movie, then the fire of the Lord fell consumed the burnt offering in the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water in the trench like it was nothing and when all the people saw it they fell on their faces and they said the lord yahweh capital l-o-r-d yahweh that's the one true god he is god the lord he is god a whole mountain of people worshiping the one true god because of a man 
who decided to take on the power that God had given him. So now do you understand when James says, you're like Elijah, he's talking to you today. Do you know that? This is for you, New Life. This is for you in the orange pew today. That in you is the same thing that was in Elijah that day. James says he was a man like you who understood that God is in charge. It's an amazing thing. Next slide. He continues, and he says, since you're a superhero, did you know you're a superhero, by the way? I can get capes in the back if you want. Um, Big new life cape would be awesome for all of us. Like we don't look like we're crazy enough around here. I'm almost done, so pay attention. Rescuing Rescuing the world, this is what God has asked you to do. This is the end of the book of James. With all the things that he's told us to do, all the things about, about being careful how we talk, all the things about being careful about religion and not action, everything leads to this. He says, you are like Elijah. You're like a superhero. There is so much power in you if you are a God follower. Listen to this. He said, here's what I want you to do with it. My dear friends, if you have know people who are wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. This is your job. Don't write them off. This is from a version of the Bible called The Message. I've got a friend here today who would be really embarrassed for me to talk about her, so I'm not going to say her name. But Christian recently, um, hard life, going through just hard things, and said to her friend, would you come to church with me? <laughs> not, hey, I want to share the gospel with you. Not, hey, I want to change your life. But, hey, would you come to church with me? friend came to church and uh, by the way I'm going to baptize him today superhero she's a superhero taking on the power of God in her life to look at somebody who may have wandered off and say God is closer than you think he says go after him get them back and you have rescued precious lives those of you who are listening online because you're actually right presently working with our children or in the nursery right now you need to know that what you're doing today is not just changing diapers it's not just teaching a bible story it is potentially rescuing lives and you are a superhero with the power that elijah had in him to start a fire from nothing because of the power in god He says, get them back, and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. Band, you guys can come up. Here's what I'd like for you to do today. If you can write this down as you go through your week this week, no matter what happens, good, bad, indifferent, make God your first response. You know what, even if you're not sure you believe in God today, make God your first response and see what happens. Even if, even if your faith is not 100% there today, make God your first response. Just do this. Say to, say to God, God, I, I acknowledge today that you're in charge in this, this awful thing that just happened to me. I, now, I acknowledge you're in charge and I've got to have you to get through this. Or God, this thing is amazing that just happened and I acknowledge that everything that's good comes from you. And just see what happens this week. When you do... When you make God your first response, it takes you from trying to work within your own powers, trying to be John the good dad. I'm telling you, this is straight from my life. If I wake up in the morning and I try to be 
good husband, John. Good dad, John. Good employee, John. I am going to fail. I promise you. I'm going to yell something at my son that I would have never imagined myself yelling. I'm going to say something to my wife or not say something to my wife that I should have or shouldn't have said immediately. I mean, probably before I get out of the shower, I will have messed something up in my life. When I get to work, if I am living in the power of John in that moment, if I am, my first response is, I can handle this. If my first response is, look how good I am. Look what I did. I got a raise. If that's my first response, you need to stay away from your preacher. Because I got bad, bad things to lead you to. And I have learned it. And let me just be real honest with you. I have learned it, and I can stand on this stage and tell you that. But in the moment... I have to choose it every time. It's not coming naturally for me yet. It's getting better, but it's not coming naturally for me. For Elijah, it came to be a way of life. It came to be this thing that he just, it was his first response. It was his moment every single time. This is where you're headed here at New Life. This is what we want from you. Not that you sit in a pew on Sunday mornings and listen to a preacher who struggles with the same things you do, by the way. Not that you just come into this church, serve a little bit, and walk away, but that every time something happens, good, bad, sick, whatever it is, that your first response is to the God who gives you a different kind of a power to deal with it. Because you cannot by yourself. It will lead you where you don't want to go. And you already know that. You are Elijah. You, in our term, you're Batman. You're Spider-Man. You're Superman. There you go. You're Superman. Superwoman. Wonder Woman. You were meant to be a part of rescuing the world. You were born on purpose, and you were meant for a purpose. There is nothing accidental about your life or about where you sit today. And your next step, if you respond to God, if he is your first response, your next step could be one with power that you could never have imagined. When my friend invited her friend, she didn't know she was a superhero. She was. You never know. You never know what decision, what choice, what conversation you're going to have that's going to rescue somebody. But I can tell you this. If you're going on your own power, your conversation is more likely going to destroy them with a word, with an action, than it will to save them. And just like everything God has done since the beginning of Genesis, the choice is yours. Do you live out of your own power and you know where that leads? Or do you choose today for your first response to be God? Here's what happens. When you say, God, I know that wasn't me that created those two babies out there. <laughs> that Reese and London are way too good to come from me. That that is you right there. All of a sudden, your life changes. Your perspective changes. God, give me the power. Make me Elijah in their lives. If I feel that way and I start that way, how can I walk out them and yell at them because he left the rake out in the yard again? Which is who John is, by the way. If I don't get in front of God first, I will yell at my son for the rake every time. I don't know what it is in your life today, but I want to give you a chance. 
right here, right now. This is the time to practice. Do not wait till you get home. Don't write this down and put it in your Bible and think I'll do that Monday. Don't do it. Right now during this song, say this to God. God, you're my first choice. I'm going to react. I want you to be my first response. Right now I'm responding to you. Whatever the preacher just said that might have done something in me, I'm responding to that. Right here, right now, you're my first response. Make it my first response this week, every day, every moment.